In the name of Jesus, amen. I'd like to personally thank Dr. Burrison for scheduling me to preach this outstanding Old Testament text from Isaiah 40 after three Old Testament professors preached before me in a row. It's always a unique challenge to preach at the seminary, especially if you're on toward the end of the week. You sit in chapel the days prior to your sermon and you hear every little bit and piece of sermon thought that you had formulated for your sermon being preached by someone else. If you look back at the week, Dr. Bartelt preached on Monday, but that's probably far enough back that we don't remember that. Dr. Rowald preached on Tuesday with lots of wilderness talk, so I guess we're not going there with Isaiah 40. And then there's Dr. Robbie, who gave us some great Old Testament history yesterday when he preached on Malachi. At least I have Thursday and not Friday. I think Dr. Herman may be up all night tonight. But he'll probably be fine. Tomorrow's Catechism Day, the second article. But does that mean that I can't preach on Jesus today? Chances are we'll be fine, because Isaiah gives us plenty to digest this morning. Isaiah, he was a preacher. He's given a proclamation from Yahweh. Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and cry to her that her warfare is ended, that her iniquity is pardoned, that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all of her sins. Isaiah was a comforter. That theme of comfort runs through the entire second half of the book of Isaiah as he preaches Yahweh's deliverance for his people and the consummation of his plan of salvation. It's a welcome change from a lot of doom and gloom that we find in the previous chapters. Isaiah had to have been frustrated after so much of his preaching had fallen on deaf ears. What else could make a prophet run around naked and barefoot for three years? Well, Yahweh commanded him to do that. But still, chapter 39 ends with a conversation between Isaiah and King Hezekiah that reveals Hezekiah's egotistical tendencies. He showed the Babylonian envoys all of his riches, and Isaiah warns him that all of that and his descendants will be carried off into exile in Babylon. And what is Hezekiah's response? He takes, uh, he takes Isaiah's warning as good news. Well, at least there'll be peace and security in my lifetime. Isaiah was a preacher. And surely, by now, he was worn out and frustrated after all of those years of preaching to no avail. Worn out. I have a comforter on my bed at home. It's probably the fourth or fifth one that I've had in the last five years. They get worn out easily because my dogs jump on the bed and chew them up and scratch them up with their nails. And I've had to replace them again and again because they're just not much use anymore. And they no longer bring me comfort. I suppose that's easy to happen to a preacher. You get worn out and you don't think you're very useful anymore. But look at you guys a lot of soon-to-be pastors and deaconesses. God is shaping you and forming you to be comforters. Right now, you're brand new. But a few years into it, it's easy to get worn out and used up. 
You bring comfort again and again to those whom the Lord has entrusted to your care, and sometimes it feels like you're just done. You've said all there is to say. Pastors hear the sins of their people. You know the people to whom you're preaching. You know what they've done, what they've left undone. Maybe they haven't become what you'd hoped after five years of preaching and pastoral care. Yet God puts you there, and he says, Comfort, comfort my people. So what's the answer? You can take a call. You can try the latest trends to make your church and ministry successful. God certainly does want us to use first article gifts in service to the gospel, but not to replace it. You can change the message. You can stop talking about sin and repentance. You can become a self-help guru, or you can become a, a motivational speaker. All of those things may draw the crowds. But can you really bring true and lasting comfort? The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever, says Isaiah. And that's the answer. That same word of God that comforts your people also comforts you. Isaiah knew that, and he pressed on. Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and cry to her that her warfare is ended, that her iniquity is pardoned, that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all of her sins. Isaiah didn't view himself as apart from Israel, but a part of Israel. When he stood before the heavenly council, he confessed, I am a man of unclean lips amidst a people of unclean lips. Israel, who prostituted itself with other gods, who abandoned Yahweh, whose sacrifices were a stench before him, this was Isaiah. He recognized his own sin and unworthiness before God. And he knew what was going to happen. God's judgment, exile. And yet he also knew that there was hope in the future. That hope was his, just as it was Israel's hope. The Lord is coming to make good on everything that he has promised. He's coming in power. And yet he comes to tend his flock like a gentle shepherd, gathering those who are scattered. He carries them in his bosom. Behold your God. Behold true and lasting comfort, iniquity pardoned, sin paid for. And just as the comfort of Israel, of Yahweh was Israel's, so it was also Isaiah's. What's your story? Do you have unclean lips? Maybe you ran around campus naked and barefoot. And don't tell us that God told you to. <laughs> Maybe you've done things that no pastor or deaconess or baptized Christian ever should have done. And yet this word of comfort comes to you. Warfare complete. Iniquity pardoned. What comfort that must have been for Isaiah as he looked forward to the coming of Yahweh to shepherd his people. Behold your God. But you know, those words of comfort or even better for you and for me. God has come down. He came down and became human flesh. And even though Jesus was without sin, he numbered himself with sinners and became sin on the cross for you. Behold your God. There he is, hanging on the cross, 
naked and barefoot, and yet all the power and might to crush sin is there as he gives up his life in your place. There the glory of the Lord is revealed. Behold your God. The stone is rolled away from the tomb where they buried him. Behold your God. At the altar where you receive his body and blood for the forgiveness of sins, behold your God. And when you hear the tender words of absolution, I forgive you all of your sins. Behold your God. Comfort abounds for you today, dear child of God. St. Paul says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all of our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves have received from God. I often use that passage for the laying on of hands when I attend an ordination or an installation of a pastor. Originally, I picked it because it's kind of a mouthful and I didn't think anybody else would pick it and steal my thunder. But it's a powerful reminder for those who serve in the Lord's church, for pastors, for deaconesses, for you. So... Get you up to a high mountain, O Zion, herald of good news. Lift up your voice with strength, O Jerusalem, herald of good news. Lift it up, fear not. Say to the cities of Judah, behold your God. In the name of Jesus, amen.